0: Hello everyone, my name is Adam Bankhurst and I want to welcome you to Episode 1 of The Gamer's Advocate. This show is a love letter to everything video games, entertainment, movies, television, and everything in between. This show is going to be structured around three different topics. The first two topics are going to be the two news stories that resonated most with me or hopefully with you guys in the future as you start sending in emails and twitter requests and everything. Because like I said, I don't want this to be just me talking. I want it to be all of us. The third topic is going to be something a little different. Maybe one week I'll do a deep dive into one of my favorite video games. Maybe another week I'll do a top 10 list, like my favorite characters from the Mass Effect franchise. Maybe I'll talk about Star Wars, like this guy BB-8, which is also one of my favorite things in this universe. Or like this week, we're going to dive into my two first gaming memories where my love of video games started and what are the two moments that define me as a gamer. So before we get started, I want to do a little background on myself. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and I went to THE Ohio State University, I know, I have to say it, and I graduated with a degree in marketing. I've been writing about video games for a very long time, and as a blogger on IGN, I've had over 15 articles featured on the front page. I also started a team called Extra Life Columbus, which is a team based off Extra Life, the 24 hour gaming marathon, and we have raised over $50,000 so far for the Children's Miracle Network. I have a beautiful wife named Betsy Bankhurst, a beautiful cat named Winnie, and a whole bunch of incredible friends and family that have helped me get to this place right now. As I said, I want to go in depth with my gaming history, and over the weeks I want to reveal a little bit more about myself so you guys can really get to know who's behind this camera. And the first thing I want to reveal are my top 3 favorite games. So in future episodes I'll go more in depth into this, but the top 3 games for Adam Gregory Bankhurst are Final Fantasy 7, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, and Mass Effect 2. What are your favorite games? Make sure to comment below and let me know what games just rise above all the rest. So without further ado I want to jump into the first topic. Our first topic today is talking about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. This game came out on March 3rd for the Nintendo Switch and the Nintendo Wii U, and it is without a doubt one of the best games I have ever played in my life. I have played for about 90 hours, I have defeated all 120 shrines, collected all 18 memories, and have had just such an incredible experience. And in future episode, probably not in The Gamer's Advocate, but a special episode, I want to do a spoiler cast. And dive into all the secrets and the amazing things that this game has to offer because I don't want to ruin it for you here. But the news story that I want to talk about today is that the first DLC for Breath of the Wild came out today called the Master Trials. So this is the first of two DLC packs that we're going to be getting and it's part of the $20 season pass that you could purchase as soon as the game came out. And it was kind of funny because if you buy the season pass you get a Nintendo Switch shirt that that Link gets to wear and it's pretty awesome. Maybe out of place, but pretty awesome. One of the biggest additions that this DLC will bring is the Trial of the Sword. This is a shrine like challenge where you're going to be tasked of completing 45 different rooms of enemies, wave by wave, and the thing about it is you have to get rid of all your equipment so you're only battling with what you find as you proceed through the caves. So this is very similar to the Twilight Princess HD Cave of Shadows. Where if you completed it and scanned this lovely Wolf Link amiibo, you got to summon Wolf Link into Breath of the Wild, which was an incredible experience having him running along with you. Even though if you went too far, he would get lost pretty quickly, but that's okay. Another thing that it adds is the hard mode. So the hard mode is going to basically bump up. In, in Legend of Zelda, the enemies are a lot of them are color coded, so you can kind of tell by just looking at them the difficulty which you're about to face as you run into battle. So hard mode is going to automatically bump these enemies to an even higher level. Also, they mentioned something where you're going to have to look up into the sky because bokoblins and other enemies will be on planks, on balloons, just waiting to rain terror down from above. So it should be another interesting run through Hyrule getting into hard mode. It would have been cool if it was like the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time Master Quest where dungeons were reversed and things like that. But it's hard to argue when you're getting just more ways to play this already incredible game. Another thing they're adding is the Korok mask. So if you're not unfamiliar, there's these little guys named Koroks that are hiding under rocks, and you have to complete different challenges to find them. And believe it or not, there's 900 of them. Yeah, you heard that right. 900. I've played for about 90 hours, and I've found maybe 200 of them. So it's a little crazy, but it's nice, because if you climb a mountain, a lot of times you may just climb this mountain and not really find anything. But the reason that they've added these 900 Koroks so every little thing you do in that game you're going to have some little sense of a reward which goes a long way into lend into making you want to explore every corner because there usually will be something to reward your efforts so this korok mask well you put it on you'll look like a korok very cute everything like that and it will shake when you're near a korok so it'll really help in that search of finding those 900. i'm still debating if i want to go after these 900 koroks but I don't know, that might take a long time, 700 more, yikes. (laughs) Um, Along with that mask, there's gonna be a bunch of new masks and outfits from previous Zelda games, such as Majora's Mask, you're gonna be able to dress up as fan favorite Tingle, as the Phantom from Phantom Hourglass, and Midna from Twilight Princess. So it gives you another reason to kind of go exploring so you can play dress up as your favorite characters from The Legend of Zelda. Another thing that it's adding, which is probably one of my favorite features, is the hero's path mode. So when you open the map, when this update goes live, you will see a green path that will show you where you've walked in the past 200 hours of you gaming. So this is extremely useful when you're trying to explore every inch of this map, which is pretty massive but it's hard to find out where you've been and where you haven't been. My biggest gripe with The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is their stamp system. It's a great system because one of of my favorite parts about Breath of the Wild is when you get to one of these towers, which Ubisoft has made famous, and it kind of reveals the map around that said tower, it usually puts points of interest on your map, but Zelda does not do that. It reveals the map and the location names of kind of the different places, but you have to place the stamps once you get there. Did you fight a Hinox or a big enemy encampment? Mark it with a skull. Did you find a weapon that you may want to come back to? Mark it with a sword. So you're creating your own, own map, and it really makes you take ownership and feel great about your explorations. The problem is you can only do 100 of these stamps. And I ran out of stamps pretty quickly because I like to be pretty thorough with these games. So this mode will allow me to see where I've been so I can make sure I'm not retracing my steps, which I probably have done a lot over those 90 hours of playing. But the world is so beautiful it really doesn't even make a difference. One of the last features is the travel medallion. This allows you to put a waypoint anywhere on the map and travel back and forth from said waypoint. So you can only do one at a time, but this will be nice because the fast travel points are usually the, the Guardian Towers and the Shrines. So if you're in the middle of a desert or of a snowy peak or on top of a mountain and you want to head back to this with maybe more equipment or a handy potion, you'll be able to travel back thanks to the Traveler's Medallion. Now all of these things are not just given to you, you're going to have to go searching for them, so get ready to explore when this DLC comes out this summer. The next topic that I want to discuss is the behemoth of all video games. Yep, that's Call of Duty. They're going back to World War II, which I think is long overdue. Call of Duty and Battlefield, well, besides Battlefield 1 that released last year, and Titanfall and all these games, have been in the future, or modern warfare as you like to call it, for a very long time. And it's just, every game is starting to feel the same. And what I'm very excited about is they're going back to the past. Because, sure, we ran into this fatigue when every Call of Duty and Battlefield and all these games were exploring World War II history, but we've taken a breather and we take a step back and we're going to be able to experience D-Day and the Battle of the Bulge in incredible, probably 4K or incredible graphics, and really feel the terror and the horror of these events that also hopefully tells a story of an incredible young man named Ronald Red Daniels. So the campaign For what they say, about 95% of the story puts you in the shoes of 19-year-old Red from Texas as he's entered into this conflict and they're going into Europe and they're not going to be traveling all over the place like some other games like going into the Pacific Theater or Russia or any of these places. They're trying to tell a more focused story about these characters and these band of brothers. So yes, you will be storming Normandy, you'll be experiencing the Battle of the Bulge, You'll be feeling all of these events through the eyes of Red. Except for 5% where you may take a different perspective. Maybe you'll play as Nazis or as an enemy or as like a super soldier like you kind of did in some of the past games. Just to kind of shake up the gameplay. The interesting thing about Red is that he's not some superhero soldier. He's not anything like that. He's just a guy like you or me that wants to serve his country. He's not a hero. He has no history. You get to kind of define that history as you go through this tale of men put into impossible situations. And what really has me most excited about this game is they even said front and center that they want to focus on the racism and the sexism and the religious persecution that was so prevalent in World War II. One of your squad mates is a Jewish American who is going to have to deal with the horrors of the Holocaust and what Nazi Germany was doing to millions of people during that time. A lot of these games shy away from the Holocaust and dealing with these issues because they are very heavy and they're very hard to deal with and will cause a lot of probably sadness and grief for a lot of people, but I think it's important to deal with these in a sensible way so people don't forget the horrors that happened and make sure to live and fight to never make this happen again. They also reveal two other characters, Lieutenant Turner and Sergeant Parsons. Lieutenant Turner is the kind of guy who values the soldiers' lives over the mission, while Sergeant Parsons is on the other side of the fence and wants to get whatever the cost to make sure the mission is successful. So it feels like Red is going to have some choices on his hand or some conflict as to who he should follow into battle and what kind of man he's going to become. So as we all know, sometimes the Call of Duty stories can get a little hammy or a little too crazy or not realistic. But from the setup of this game, I really feel like you're going to feel the terror and the horror of World War II, and really feel the different sides of the story. Not just the tale of a generic white super soldier, you're actually going to get to see the terror and torture that happen on an everyday basis. And what's very exciting about this game is that the founders of Sledgehammer Studios who are creating Call of Duty World War II, are a lot of the guys who founded and started Visceral Games, which was responsible for the Dead Space franchise. So if they can capture any of that horror or the madness that came with that franchise, I think we're really going to be in for an incredible experience when this game launches this fall. A couple other interesting tidbits that they kind of gave out was that they're making a big change in that health doesn't auto-regenerate. You're going to have to ask your medic to come heal you. Even with ammo, you're going to have to ask your squad mates for ammo, trying to make it so you can't just crouch down and hide and hope to magically revive. You're going to have to really use your team and work to succeed at these missions. They also mentioned that there's going to be a story-driven co-op campaign, and it looks like there's going to be zombies in this one. So for all you fans out there, you're probably going to be pretty happy with this. Multi- now multiplayer, they didn't really go into too much, but they did show a little clip of a wide shot of maybe 60 players, 45 to 60 players, just kind of mingling and jumping around and going crazy, and it looks like these are going to be kind of a central social area like Destiny's Tower where you're going to be able to interact with your friends, set up matches, do all that stuff, and they even said gain rewards by participating in little events. So this could add a whole other layer to Call of Duty instead of just going through static menus and waiting for the next match to start. And lastly, they talked about this mode called War, which basically tasks you as being either the Allies or the Axis, And you're doing Normandy, you're doing D-Day, the battle that everybody has seen a million times, but you're going to get to experience it from one side or the other. Are you going to be the Allies storming the beach? Or are you going to take the roles of Nazis trying to impede the progress of these foreign invaders? And there's going to be asymmetrical story missions, so they're going to be focused on stopping or advancing or any of the stuff like that. So you're really going to have reasons to replay this battle that's probably going to be an insane, insane time, so I'm very excited to jump into this game. And I always play the Call of Duty campaigns, and they're usually pretty good, I mean they're very enjoyable, but I really like the direction this one is taking it, and I'm hoping that it lives up to some of the things that we're hearing now. So we'll see when Call of Duty comes out, I'm sure, this November. Now the last topic that I want to talk about today are my first two gaming moments. So these are the two moments, not, not, I mean, not necessarily the first game I ever played, because I'm sure when I was 2 or 3 I played with some crazy puzzle or something like that. But I'm talking about the 2 moments that have stuck with me and have defined me as a gamer. And when I'm finished with this, I want to see and hear your stories. So please post it below, email me, do everything like that because I like to know these stories because they really help define you as a person and it's, it's interesting to see what brought different people into this wonderful world of gaming. So the first one I want to talk about is Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo. So this must have been, and I think it was about 1994, and I was six years old. And my mom came home. It was just a random day. It wasn't any, wasn't my birthday. It wasn't any holiday or anything like that. But she came home with this present. It was just wrapped, and I was like, "What's going on?" (laughs) So I went in, and of course, I just tore into that wrapping paper, which I think was a Mickey Mouse themed wrapping paper because Disney's just wonderful and i opened my eyes and i saw a super nintendo with super mario world included and i was like what is this amazing thing i didn't even really remember knowing about this system before it came out but when we opened it my mom and i played this game until probably way too late for a six-year-old to be completely honest but it was such an incredible experience that a game could be this colorful and beautiful and control so well And my mom and I just worked back and forth. And when there was a level that was too hard and I couldn't handle it, she would step in and save me. And she would teach me how to jump over and conquer all these bosses. And when we finally defeated Bowser and saved the princess once and for all, it was such a triumphant moment between mother and son. And it's something that I can remember as clearly as what I had for breakfast today, which was actually nothing because I don't eat breakfast. But anyway, besides that, so yeah, so that game just holds such a special place in my heart because every time it boots up, and like, I mean, I've purchased this game on Nintendo 3DS and Wii U, and when Switch releases it inevitably when their virtual console launches, I'm sure I'll be getting it on that, but it just, it's got that feeling of taking you home. I'm, I'm a big guy for nostalgia, and I really feel... That music and moments and pictures and video can take you back to a place in time that's very special to you and speaks to you. And it's important to hold those moments close because the world is crazy and it's moving by a hundred miles per hour, but it's nice every once in a while to look back and see what got you there. And Super Mario World was the first game that I was like, gaming is something special. And it really focused me into this medium and i never turned back since and it was i'm so grateful for it the second gaming memory which came out a few years after that i mean i played um, kirby superstar and a bunch of other super nintendo games and had a great time but this memory just speaks so much to me because it began my love affair with the legend of zelda so i didn't i never played link to the past i didn't play the original legend of zelda the first experience I had of this was Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. My dad came home one day and yes, my parents are wonderful, bringing me all these video games, surprising me on just a random Tuesday or Wednesday. She came home with Ocarina of Time and it was the gold cartridge edition, which I wish I still had, but unfortunately I don't. And I put this game in and my dad was there and I was kind of playing the game, experienced the whole Opening Navi coming and explore and waking you up and going meeting the Deku tree, and just having my world blown of that a game could be like this, because I, I mean I was playing Super Nintendo games, and I was playing games here and there, not really seriously, but this game was just a whole nother level that a world that I could just feel this world was real and somewhere that I wanted to be and explore and not leave. Except when I had to go to school, which was unfortunate, but, but you got to do what you got to do, right? So um, I was in the Great Deku Tree, and completing the dungeon, it took me a little while. I mean, I was finding my way, doing, going through all the challenges, jumping from the highest heights and breaking the spider web on the bottom, and finding the compass and the map for the first time, and all these incredible experiences of exploring your first Zelda dungeon, which is something truly special. And I got to the end. I mean, I, I, I blocked the seeds of the Deku shrubs in the right order and got gained access to this massive cave. So I was walking around for a very long time, and I could not find anything. It was just this dark tunnel that I was walking through, and I kept getting lost. I kept hearing this rustling, but I didn't know where it was coming from. And I literally probably walked around this these cave systems for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and I had no idea what was happening. So... I was just racking my brain on what to do, and I noticed that it was pretty dark in this cavern, so I thought to maybe turn the TV brightness up a little bit. So I turned it up, and I realized that it was not a pattern of caves, but it was one giant cave, and I was in Queen Goma's lair which is the first boss, and what you had to do was look up and see Queen Goma and look her in the eye, and then the boss battle started. But I had no idea. I literally thought I was just in another part of the dungeon, walking around these tunnels, and I just (laughs) literally must have walked in circles for 20 minutes to a half hour until I was like, huh, maybe I should turn the brightness up, and I saw, oh, it looks like there is something on the ceiling. (laughs) So it just, it always makes me laugh because... I, that just shows the power of the game that even though I was stuck and I was going for all this time in, in circles and not finding my way, I was still so determined to get to the next step because this world had so many secrets and so much incredible things to offer that I, I just couldn't stop playing. So after that, I had a little better time and I ended up beating that game and loving it. And as, I, as you heard from the beginning, it's one of my favorite games of all time, even to this day. Playing the Nintendo 3DS version of it is such a treat, having it on the go. I actually just beat the Spirit Temple once again after I beat Breath of the Wild just to see the difference between what Breath of the Wild brings to the table and what Ocarina of Time had done so well in the old Zelda formula, which might be another topic for another day, kind of comparing how I feel that the Zelda franchise is handled and where it should go from here, because Breath of the Wild is a pretty big departure. So that is... My, one of my story my two stories of my first gaming moments and and they are something special and something that i think about a lot because like i said i i think it is important to remember where you came from it really helps define your future and that's my story well ladies and gentlemen that wraps up episode one of the gamers advocate each new episode will go live friday at 12 p.m eastern and there'll probably be some one-off episodes here and there of special occasions and spoiler casts and all that kind of stuff. But like I said, I want this show to evolve. I want you guys to help shape it. So please send me an email at adam at thegamersadvocate.com. Please follow us at Gamers Advocate. Leave us a review. Subscribe to us. Leave a comment below. Do all you can to be a part of this incredible world. I can't thank you guys enough for sticking around and becoming a part of The Gamer's Advocate. And I can't wait to see where this show takes us and what it becomes. I want to wish you all an incredible day and or night, and I can't wait to see you next week. Have a great one.